Today, I'm sitting down with Michael Waterloo from Fantasy Pros and The Athletic. We're going to chat about uh, his life, his times as, a, as an analyst for both fantasy and WNBA. Let's go balls deep. Welcome to the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Adam King, your host at AdamKing91. On Twitter is where you can find me, fbibasketball.com is our website. Head over there to check out all of our content. Uh, so we are just continuing rolling through our analyst interviews. Today I've got Michael Waterloo uh, on the eve of Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day here in Australia. Today, Michael, how are you? I'm doing very well, Adam. A happy Mother's Day to you and yours as well as everybody listening and uh yeah i appreciate you having me on no look it's, it's good um these these shows have been fun and and i don't i don't think we've been on a show together before for for anyone i know i've been on guest shows and, and that sort of thing but um this is a first yeah it's our first time linking up uh we kind of linked up in the big dynasty 30 draft uh and mm. in, in, in that league that we're in and I know you reached out and said hey sometime this year I'd like to have you on the pod so I'm glad we were able to kind of uh get it done I find that the playoffs and the offseason when kind of when things kind of clo- uh slow down a little bit where we can do these kind of things so yeah I'm excited to be on yeah I was hoping to record them during the season but uh, everything sort of just gets on top of you when it's all happening but there's not as much happening now um so we so as I said, you you are uh, you contribute for Fantasy Pros and the Athletic, uh, and then you also have a, a WNBA related website. So, I guess the first question I, I've been starting with is is for you whether uh, well h- how you got to where you are now. So has fantasy sports writing that sort of thing has that been the plan the whole way, or was this something you fell into uh, at some point? Um, so I guess just tell the listeners, yeah, what your journey has looked like. Yeah, uh, it's been an interesting journey where I've always played fantasy sports. The first time was 2002, I believe, was my first experience uh, playing fantasy baseball in uh, in high school at the time. So we snuck onto the libraries at the computer, uh, uh, the computers at the library, and were able to kind of do some drafts there. Uh, but I always wanted to be a journalist. That was always my dream growing up. Not fantasy realm but kind of within the sports area and the news area um so i do have my bachelor and my master's both in journalism um i wrote for a few newspapers i covered the pittsburgh pirates of the mlb for a couple years i lived in different areas of the country in the united states but eventually i you know me and my partner we were both journalists and being that you know it's the year 2017 at the time, journalists weren't exactly bringing uh, home the bacon, if you will. So <laughs> we both kind of made the decision to depart from the industry. But I'm a writer at heart. It's what I've always wanted to do. So even though I left the journalism industry full time, I still wanted to write. I still wanted to kind of be able to scratch that itch a little bit. Uh, so it's something I just kept going. Uh, I started with uh, Razball back in the day, our friends mm-hmm. there, and kind of uh, evolved from there with Roto Experts. 
uh, and then the fantasy pros and then with the athletic, I met uh, Nato Defino, who's the editor at the athletic a long time ago. And he was my, one of my bosses at Roto experts and fantasy sports network. So we've uh, just kind of really kept in contact and he's been a great mentor to me. So while I'm doing my day job, I'm still able to kind of disappear and write about what I love, which is sports and fantasy sports, especially. So that's kind of uh, how I got to the point where I'm at now. And, and so you've, I'm alluded to this, you, you did have to leave the, as a full-time sort of leave the, the, the sports, the journalism as, as a full-time thing. So when you're not doing fantasy, what, what is it that you do? Yeah, I uh, work at a anti-domestic violence coalition. Mm. Uh, so I live in Pennsylvania. I work for our state group. Um, I was at a public relations advocacy firm prior to this, and I got laid off during the pandemic. And I was just kind of asking myself, you know, what do I want to do now? I have this opportunity where I can, it, it, it's scary because in the middle of a pandemic, kind of uncertainty, but I also didn't want to panic and just take the first job that came to me. I wanted to try to take some time and say, what do I want to do to be fulfilled? And domestic violence really means a lot to me. It's something I'm very, very passionate about. And when I saw that opening, I, it just kind of felt like a calling because um, I kind of got to do the same work. I'm a communication strategist for them, but I got to do it for something that I feel very strongly about. Um, so that is my kind of day-to-day job. And it's very heavy work. It's very taxing, which is really nice to be able to disappear into the stupid make-believe game that we play <laughs> uh, fantasy sports where we're pretend managers playing a pretend game determine what other people who are actually playing the game do. Um, but it's something I love and it's just such a great distraction. Um, and it gives me that energy to kind of go back into my Monday through Friday job. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think it's, I mean, I've had obviously quite a few analysts on the show already and some are lucky enough to be able to do this full time, but, but quite a lot have, have other jobs and, and I think, like, I know for me, um, the fact that my other job, so my, my full-time job that, that brings in the money, is so fulfilling. Um, I'm lucky in that space, and it sounds like you are as well. It, like, it sounds like, like your, you, your job that you do is, it's a job, but as they say, if you enjoy what you do, it, it, it doesn't feel like work. So I'm sure it's a little bit like that. It's, as you said, it's, it's draining. I work with a lot of families that, that um, are going through domestic violence as well. Um, so I can, I can sort of relate to how, how you can feel at the end of the day and, and fantasy sports is, is a way to, I guess, turn your brain off a little bit um, from all that. So, um, so the athletic fantasy pros, then you mentioned to me before we came on air that you, you have a website or they're linked in with a website to do with WNBA uh, fantasy is that fantasy as well, or is that just WNBA in general? Uh, so the, the website is called the Game Day, and it is kind of every sport they cover. Uh, it's mainly from a betting angle, but there's also a lot of just fantasy analysis with it. Uh, so I was really, really pushing for them to incorporate more women's sports in general, um, but especially WNBA. So I'm kind of spearheading that. Uh, with our NBA ed, uh, editor, Garrett Sharpening. Um, I am kind of writing up mainly just kind of the 
odds, kind of the different movements, the pre-free, uh, the, the pre-free agency, post-free agency, post-draft, and kind of doing a preview right before the season starts. And then going to be breaking down kind of starting with every month from a fantasy angle for them. Uh, since ESPN does have a fantasy WNBA game, they're the only platform right now that has mm-hmm. one. Again, another thing I'm trying to push uh, CBS, Fantrax, Yahoo, whomever, just to kind of give us a different uh, option there. But since that is available, I'm trying to cover that angle of it too to make sure that we are kind of covering everything as equally and fairly as we can. Yeah, look, so we're we're actually about to – I mean, this this is going to be recorded um, well, potentially after the, the NBA draft has even happened. But um, we are about to go into a fantasy WNBA draft in about 40 minutes, uh, my very first WNBA draft. So I, I've done a little bit of research, but not a lot. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But uh, I mean, if if nothing else, it's going to make me watch more WNBA, which I think is what the one of the goals. I mean, we want people watching women's sports, and and I know over here in Australia, um, I'm sure it's a it's a global kind of thing. But there is a big push here at the moment for for women's sport and. And a lot of those male-dominated sports are starting to expand. And and um, oh, I mean, you could even—I know a lot of Americans aren't super familiar with cricket, but cricket is a is a big sport over here. And and our men's team has has been sort of arguably the best in the world, or, or top two, top three for decades now. Um, but our women's cricket team is is up well it's potentially the most dominant international sporting team in the world at the moment they they just they never lose they and the the talent is super impressive um so good to see that that women's sport is obviously getting out there and people are starting to watch it and it's it's starting to i know the pay in terms of the pays and the all that sort of thing is not the same um other than tennis tennis is is sort of leading the way there i think with with that sort of thing so so you're obviously pretty passionate just about sport in general um i like look when i talk to people i like looking at what they've got in the background is that a wrestling mask up the on the top shelf yes it is uh my partner and i went to mexico a few years ago and one of the things i really wanted to do was get a authentic luchador mask uh so I am a big wrestling fan. Uh, with that, there are a couple wrestling Funkos up there, a WWE title, and a Japanese photo hanging above them all, Japanese wrestling photos. So, yeah, that mask is one of my favorite possessions that I have. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, wrestling is something that I'm – well, not as much anymore, but I sort of from about – probably the late 90s for maybe a decade, I was all about wrestling. Um, And like my son is named after a wrestler. Um, I've got multiple wrestling tattoos. My license plate, my registration on my car is a wrestler. Um, So it it is something, again, that I can relate to. Um, I do enjoy watching the wrestling still. Do you, so I mean, that's obviously yeah, Luchador Mars, someone like a Rey Mysterio, someone like that. But do you is there a wrestler that's that's a favorite for you who stands out? Oh man, uh Rey Mysterio <laughs> is probably my favorite of all time, him and uh Shawn Michaels. Um, but yeah, it's it's something I'm still very, very passionate about and I still watch. Uh again, I'm all about escapism and it gives me a nice escape. Uh 
So yeah, I'm a Shawn Michaels guy over a Brett guy. I like uh, Kenny Omega, Kazuda Okach, uh, Okada from New Japan. Uh, yeah, there's an Australian tag team that I was really a big fan of. They're not doing it anymore because the one uh, just had a baby and the other one retired, but the Iconics, were, yep. they were a team that I was a big fan of. Um, and also Buddy Matthews is one of my favorite, and he's Australian as well. Uh, so yeah, just the art, it's just so much fun. It's one of the things that I try to travel to as much as possible to go watch um, in the States, out of the States, wherever I'm able to go. So it's just uh, very, very fun. I, and I'd love to know if you're if you're comfy sharing who is your uh, child named after. So his name's Hunter. So he's named after Triple H. Um, I love it. So so Triple H was yeah was was my favourite. I got to meet him um, when they were here in 2000, um, doing the Global Warning tour. Um, oh, was that 2000? Well, whenever it was around 2000, any anyway, I can't think if it was exactly 2000, but. Um, yeah, so so he he would be my favourite. Shawn Michaels as well, because DX. I was I was very into DX, and and for me that was my favourite time, the Attitude era. Um, <clears throat> but as you said, more and more Australians now coming through. Rhea Ripley is is Australian, um, and and she's sort of dominating, well, somewhat dominating the the women's division at the moment. And um, another sport where where I think in the last oh, I don't know, five years, three years, where the women have caught up to the men. I don't know if you'd say that they've overtaken them, but we've seen WrestleMania, we've seen big pay-per-views where the main event is is a women's match, not a men's match, and, and the crowd get amped for, just as amped for, for the women as they do for the men now. So I think, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, the women's uh revolution and evolution if you will i mean when you talk about the attitude era we think of trish stratus lita and yep. whoever else and kind of bra and panty matches and yes. as great as the attitude era was there's a lot of cringe moments that didn't really yeah. age as well but seeing the four horse women seeing what uh, ronda rousey did with the ufc to kind of put women right on equal playing field to show hey we can do this too and seeing that kind of bore into the next generation with the Rhea Ripley's, the Bianca Belair's, uh, Tony Storm is another Australian mm -hmm. wrestler who's doing fantastic stuff in AEW now. Uh, but it used to be whenever Trish and Lita main evented Monday Night Raw, I think in 2001, for the first time ever for women, it was like, oh my God, this is a huge thing. Now, like you said, at WrestleMania, you're having uh, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, mm -hmm. Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 35 in New York main event. You have Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks or Bianca and Becky. And then you have Rhea and Zelina Vega in Puerto Rico this past weekend be one yep. of the main <laughs> matches. So they are right on that level. And because it is wrestling, the payday is pretty even too. So wh whenever you talk about uh, tennis kind of leading the way, obviously it's a kind of a scripted sport, predetermined, but mm. also athletic too. So I kind of consider it that in there where the women have the same respect mm. or looked at just on the same level, uh, level as their male peers. And they are kind of getting that same treatment, notoriety and kind of face of the company and being uh, paid like it too. So it's, it's fantastic to see. Yeah. And, and as you alluded to there, like the attitude era leader was my favorite of, of the women and Trish Stratus was there and, and, 
there were a lot of moments that looking back now you go ugh probably but there was a there was a lot of good wrestling there too and i think they did lay that platform um <clears throat> and i sort of i didn't go away from wrestling i sort of kept my eye on things but didn't watch it as much but we now get all the pay-per-views for free here in australia so i'm able to just watch it again um and they're usually on it sort of 10 o'clock in the morning for us on a weekend which is nice um and i've seen that that Lita and trish are, are back wrestling <laughs> um not not as much as they were back then but uh yeah i am starting to enjoy it a bit more which is good um so on i i get the next the next sort of path i guess we take when we do these interviews is to talk about outside of sports so things you enjoy movies tv music uh reading through and i like to read through um people's twitter profiles anna kendrick is someone that features pretty prominently on yours uh into well it says in your profile that you tweet about her and you have her photo um, on your on your profile so what's the reason for that i'm going to yeah like you talk about the background a little bit there's my anna kendrick shelf right there oh, nice. so, uh, yep. yeah i'm just i'm a huge anna kendrick fan it's she just seems like a very kick-ass person and very laid-back person that would be fun to hang out with. Is there kind of like, is she a beautiful person too? Absolutely. But <laughs> she is just a very funny person. I love her movies. I think she's very talented. Um, she came out with uh, Anna Darling. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Alice Darling uh, recently, which was a very heavy movie about domestic violence. So it kind of tied in with my work also. And just seeing kind of like the path that she's taken from being a stage performer to releasing camp when she was 13 to being in the twilight movies and they kind of showing her range with pitch perfect to uh, a simple favor which we just watched today uh, some good comedy movies just a a very wide range and she's just my favorite actor and i i, I just think she's very talented i've kind of taken it on a as we talk about wrestling, it's kind of my gimmick now is that I'm just an Anna Kendrick person. So anytime I can work Anna Kendrick into a tweet, into conversation, I do it. And I just think, uh, yeah, she's just somebody I really enjoy her movies and would be somebody I just love to grab a drink with sometime. I just think it'd be really fun just to pick her brain. Yeah, fair. Enough. I can't argue with that. Um, I'm, yeah, she, she does. I mean, I'm not, not into her as much as you, but, but I, yeah, I have to say that. That all seems pretty reasonable. Um, so, so movies are obviously something you enjoy. Outside of Anna Kendrick movies, any particular genre, any specific movies that sort of come to mind as a, as a favourite, or or just a movie that you're happy to sit down and rewatch over and over again? Yeah, uh, movies are really big in our house. We love watching shows together. We love watching new movies, and we love kind of rewatching our. Our go-tos. My partner's a huge horror movie fan, so she's constantly watching oh, the latest nice. scary movies, which I, I, I get into also. Um, she'll, she'll watch the D-level ones on Shudder and whatnot, and <laughs> kudos to her for those. Uh, they're not really my style, but I love heist movies, love thriller movies, uh, good rom-com. My, I, I'd say my top three of all time would be uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, uh, Training Day, the Pitch Perfect series tied with American Gangster. So I'm kind of cheating there. But those are all movies I love. And I love rewatching movies. Uh, Booksmart is one of our go-to rewatch movies uh, that we absolutely love. So 
yeah, movies and kind of the pop culture element of, uh, of it all was really, really big for us. Good, because a lot of people that I talk to aren't <laughs> into movies as much as I am. So, um, yeah, I mean, God, if, if if I had to say my favourite movies, I think the answer would change daily. Like if, if you, but so, but but horror is a, a genre that I'm very into. Um, I think I mentioned it actually in my Twitter profile. Um, so I'm often at the movies. I've got a, a friend here who lives reasonably close, and and we. Well, once we try for once a week, but once a fortnight, we're usually at the movies um, watching a, a horror movie uh, with not many other people. We're usually at a nine o'clock or a nine thirty session, and there might be three people in the cinema, uh, which is the way we like it. Um, yeah. We like to be able to spread out, and um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's not. I get asked all the time, oh, did, was it scary? And I, and I can't answer that because it's not scary to me. I just like the, I don't know if I like the concept of it or, but I don't get scared um, where, where some people do. And and much the same as you, I think like your top three movies there are pretty eclectic in terms of what, like they're, they're not all rom-coms or all action movies. There's a, a pretty um, diverse range. They're much the same for me. Um while I like the horror movies, I won't necessarily go back and rewatch them over and over and over again. But there are certain movies that I will sit down and watch. The American Pie movies, I'll watch them over and over and over again. Um, there's a, a movie, I'm not sure when it came out. It might be, it's probably early to, no, actually, it's probably late 90s called Can't Hardly Wait. And Yes, yes. And I've seen that movie probably at least 50 times. I watch it once a month, once every couple of months. Um, the Burbs with Tom Hanks in it. I love that movie. Um, Good movie. And and my – so I've got two kids and they're sort of getting older now. And my uh, my son, who's about to turn 13, he, he's sort of into things like Stranger Things and Godzilla and, so the, the, and, and Pacific Rim and those movies that have big creatures fighting – um, some scary elements so I can spend time sitting and watching them with him, whereas my daughter is not into those at all. Um, but we'll sit and watch a rom-com or something like that. So we, we've watched... Um, uh, no, I made her watch Notting Hill the other day. <laughs> um, good one, good one. Another favourite of mine. Um, and and I, I actually just watched Air last night. It came onto Amazon um, and I missed it. We watched movie. it today. Yeah, yeah um, and it was it was interesting. Like I think whenever I'm watching a movie, if you watch so many movies, you you sort of try to predict what's going to happen, and you think, oh yeah, th- what, what's coming next? And with most movies, there's sort of a a feel good element to it for for a big chunk, and then there's a big down, like something happens, and you go, oh no, and then at the end it picks up again. Air didn't really have that. It was all fairly positive. Um, like I was thinking when. I didn't know the backstory of the whole Jordan thing, but I was waiting for sort of, I was waiting for them to come back and say, no, sorry, if anyone hasn't seen this, I was waiting for them to come back and say, we're going to go with, with Adidas, not Nike. And and then them have to do an, a repitch or something, but it didn't really happen like that, which I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew most of the backstory. Um, 
my partner isn't really into sports at all. So I, I get to like kind of show off like, oh, talking about Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah. Like he was so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Sam Bowie. He, he's from Lebanon, PA, which is a half an hour from us. Did you know that? So kind of drop those <laughs> in. But I, I kind of thought the same as you. There was like that two minutes. Uh, mm. Paul and rise at the end where they where uh, again, sorry for anybody who didn't see this. But when Jordan's mom came back on the phone and said, we'll go with you. But he wants profit sharing for everything he sells every piece of air jordan equipment and uh memorabilia you sell he wants a cut of that and it was just like oh okay like this is where it's going to happen but then phil knight right away was like okay let's do it let's do it so you had that very quick dip that came right back up yeah um the movie flew by i thought they did a very very good job telling that and making it um relatable and understanding for people who even aren't big sneaker heads I, i'm a huge i'm a huge shoe person that's the other thing in the background behind me just yeah. a stack of shoes huge shoe person huge basketball person but you know i asked my partner three and hey what'd you think and she said i liked it you know basketball isn't mm-hmm. my thing but i thought it was really fun so yeah i thought they did a really good job with it yeah no i, I enjoyed it um so we'll i, I guess start getting towards wrapping up because we have to get ready for our draft but to before I go to the final question, which is the same one I've asked everyone, in terms of traveling, is that something that you and your partner like to do? Like, do you like to to get out and about, whether whether in the US or outside the US? Yeah, we are really, really big into traveling. Um, the pandemic kind of set that back. We had quite a few mm-hmm. trips planned overseas. We had to cancel, uh, but we have some trips. Uh, some trips scheduled we're going to savannah georgia to explore um we're going up in the new New england states for a wedding sorry i had to cough there uh we're going up to new england states for a wedding um i love going up to canada i'm a big toronto fan so i love going up there watching the blue jays um we went to china and mexico in 2018 to explore there we love those um and we kind of have a bucket list of places that we want to go. We want to go to Australia. We want to go to New Zealand. We want to go over to Ireland, London. Um, and it's just kind of working up to the point in our lives where, hey, we're actually able to kind of do these things now. Let's kind of get out of our bubble a little bit. Let's leave the area that we're in, especially, and kind of check out the other areas within the States, but also the world, because there's so many great places that, that we'd love to see. So it's kind of a goal of ours uh, to travel at least somewhere once a year, whether it's somewhere local, whether it's somewhere that we can drive to, fly to, or kind of go overseas to. Yeah, no, they're, they're a little bit, I mean, yeah, I guess with my kids, we've sort of, you, you've got to fit your travel in around school and um, and just how old they are. And you say, okay, they're too young. We don't want to travel too far, all that sort of stuff. But but we both, um, my my wife and I, enjoy traveling. So, last question before I let you go is a fantasy question. Although this isn't a fantasy podcast per se, Victor Wembanyama is a pretty hot topic in in fantasy sports. And as I said, by the time this is released, we may actually know where he where he's going to play next season. But as of right now, if we if we had to look ahead to to drafts for next season, where Firstly, where would you be comfortable drafting him? Based on what we know now, where would you be hoping or, or, or comfortable, as I said, taking him in a draft, just in a rant, standard redraft? And second part is, do you think 
well, what what do you think his ADP will be, um, and and does that sort of line up with where you would want to take him, or are they two very different numbers? Man, that's a great question because I'm of the belief that he's going to break fantasy. Um, you know, he just has to stay healthy, and that's always the big thing. Uh, I know we're talking redraft here, but for dynasty, I think he'd be a top five overall pick for me in a startup dynasty. Um, for redraft, you know the. The smart money is to say to fade him because the odds of a rookie finishing within the top 75, I think there's maybe like one or two every year dating back the past like 10 years or something like that. Um, but I don't know the last time we saw somebody as polished as him where it's kind of Giannis doing Giannis things without needing those couple of years to kind of get acclimated and grow into his body and everything. So I think as I delay to try to give myself more time to think of where I'd actually take him, I would say I'd take him in the, in the third round of a redraft league. And I think that's right around where his ADP is going to be once we kind of see him get through training camp, once we see him get on the floor for some meaningful preseason basketball, if there is such a thing, you'll see that ADP start to climb up. I think you'll see it kind of end up right around 33 overall, uh, which in a 12 team, that's middle of the uh, third round. So that's kind of where I think he goes. And, you know, I I think I'd be okay taking him there, depending on my uh, first two picks. Yeah, look, I think most most analysts are, fairly consensus with where they would want to get him and that's around that 30 35 somewhere in in that range sort of sort of back into the third round um a lot of analysts uh, i'm sort of on the fence a little bit but a lot of people are thinking that he's going to end up going first round in some leagues and there'll be people just who want him on their team so they're going to reach they're going to take him and that'll lift his adp so I don't, yeah, I think his ADP sort of opens, as you said, around that range. And then as we get closer to the season, if he, if he sort of, if he's a standout in summer league, if he plays, I mean, I don't know how much summer league he's going to play. Um, if you've watched any summer league over the last five years, you'll know that based on what we've seen, he, he might play two games and then they'll just say, we've seen enough. You don't have to play the rest. Um but if he then comes out in the preseason and has a couple of strong games and and does what we think he can do, then people are going to go, oh, God, I've got to take this guy at pick 15 or pick 20 or something. So it's going to be pretty wild. Um, as you said, I think he's it's hard to make a direct comparison because he has elements of so many players. Um it's it's going to be fun, and and I I really want to get him on at least one team next season. And if I have to reach for him, I'll reach for him. Yeah, my my kind of mantra with fantasy is: if you're not having fun with it, you shouldn't be doing it. We all want to win. We all want to make money off it. We all want to be the champion, be competitive. But you want to have fun. Like we I said at the beginning, this is a make this is a pretend game that we're playing, and you should yeah. have fun with it. So. If getting Victor Wembanyama on one of your teams makes you have fun, do it. If you're like, hey, in my home league, I'm going to reach for him with the fifth overall pick, do it. Have fun. Um, Like you, I'm going to make sure I have one share. Um, If I have to join a $10 (laughs) Yahoo league, if I have to do an NFBC league, um, just to get him on there, I'll do it because I want to have at least one share because I'm going to have the biggest FOMO uh, if I don't, and I, I don't want that. So I don't want to get too invested, but I need at least one share to root on. Yeah, and, and look, and, and FBI, again, I mean, we'll be running a ton of draft-only leagues that are $5 entry, that sort of thing. So if 
anyone anyone who's listening who, who hasn't joined those leagues, there's always about 40 of them, I think, running. So um, jump into one of those and, and take him with the first pick if you want. Um, so I'll, I'll, I might I'll let, just do that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, look, I probably will. Um, so I will let you head off and we'll get ready for our draft. Before I let you go, um, I, I guess this is a bit of a downtime, but WNBA is about to kick off. Uh, where can people find you and, and what have you got sort of planned for the next, I guess, couple of months? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, mainly at Michael Waterloo. There's a lot of Anna Kendrick tweets, like I said. Uh, WNBA season starting up. I'm going to the opener next Friday in Washington against uh, my New York Liberty. I'm very excited for that. Uh, so, yeah, you'll see some WNBA coverage. Some NBA draft coverage will be coming up, mainly at Fantasy Pros. And I do a lot of fantasy baseball, too. So if you're a baseball fan... I'm writing about fantasy baseball at least three to four times a week at uh, the different outlets that I have listed there. So, yeah, if you need a little break there, follow along for some baseball. And if not, we'll get ready for another basketball season. We'll be here before we know it. So thanks again for coming on. Go and uh, follow Michael uh, at Twitter there. That will do it for today's show. Remember, check out all of our content at fbibasketball.com. Um, as I said, all our redraft leagues, I have no idea when B-Dub starts them, but it's stupidly early. So they'll probably be up and rolling by, I don't know, maybe July. Who knows? Uh, follow along with this podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That would be beautiful. Thank you so much. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.